G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. We just decided to open up our house to these young people every Friday night. And so every Friday night they used to come to our house and they'd hang about, drink coffee and play games. And then Alan would just share with them for about 15 minutes about how much they're loved and how much God wants them to be part of his family. Careforce Life Keys was founded by Dr. Alan and Helen Meyer during their 26 years of leadership at Careforce Church in Melbourne. Their facilitator training programs and other structured courses helps address the need for restoration from brokenness and discipleship. On today's Focus on the Family Australia, Alan and Helen share their story and how they have helped thousands of people from all denominations around Australia and the world. That's Alan and Helen Meyer, our guests, on today's Focus on the Family Australia with my wife Kate and myself, Brett Ryan. Well, welcome to the program, Alan and Helen Meyer. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you in our studio because we've been traveling together as uh, Careforce Life Keys and Focus on the Family. And, and I've got my wife here with me today. And we're going to have a bit of a yarn, a bit of a discussion about some of the important issues. But it's great to have Helen here because well, I know Alan for a number of years. But to meet Helen and to get to know you, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, I grew up in a family with lots of challenges. I uh, lost my mother from cancer when she, oh, I was eight years old. My father became a functional alcoholic, so growing up in that environment was a challenge. Professionally, I've worked as a primary school teacher, a high school teacher, and I have a master's in counselling, a master's in medicine, and also a master's in education. So that's kind of a little bit about wow. me. Wow. Mm. But best of all, I'm a mother and a grandmother. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. And what about you, Alan? Well, I didn't grow up in a home with lots of challenges, and it's one of the um, things that has, uh, I guess, in many ways affected the way I relate to Helen over the years. The, the clearer it has become to me how different our backgrounds have been, the clearer it has been to me how my behaviour needs to be modified in a way to be as kind and as gracious to her as I possibly can. She suffered in her childhood and teenage years in ways I never had to. It's provoked me to make sure I don't add suffering to her (laughs) over the uh, ensuing years. I grew up in a home that you could only describe as middle-class Australian with an extraordinary mum and dad. My dad was a teacher. My mum was a farm girl. They uh, married at the end of the Second World War. My dad um, had come to, to know Jesus when he was only four years old, and he'd been a Methodist lay preacher. My mum was raised in a Lutheran church, and they were just as straight as a die. My father loved my mother. I did not grow up in the midst of any crisis that had not been personally created by me so (laughs) all of the crises that i ever encountered in my early years were ones that i could 
clearly sheet home the responsibility uh, to myself. <laughs> and um, there were many of those, I can promise you. So I had a very stable background and uh, I had uh, two brothers, two sisters and belonged to a church, I guess, all my life. And those have been the modifying factors mm. that uh, gave me uh, my foundation. Trained as a school teacher, just as uh, Helen did. We met each other in high school. Out of that, uh, I guess both of us have, uh, in all the things we've done, been uh, influenced by the fact that we wanted to be teachers and we were trained as teachers, and that comes through in lots of what we do. Mm. So how do teachers become pastors? Helen, what, what, how did all this happen? Wow, that's a good question. I guess it started with us serving at the church we belonged to, which is the Lutheran Church in Box Hill, and uh, we were the um, youth leaders, and we just started there. We just felt a commitment to serving. Um, at times we made sacrifices. That meant that we might have missed out on things, but it, we were always very focused. Actually, um, how teachers become pastors goes back really before we were married. Helen was going to an Anglican church, and uh, she had a wonderful, wonderful minister. Uh, he used to hold meetings uh, on Sunday nights that in, in which he'd have people come and share their life stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, being a Lutheran, we didn't tend to do that very much. So I don't think I'd heard anybody's life story growing up. But uh, some of those life stories were really impacting. And one night a young man shared about how he had wrestled his way through to commit his life to Jesus. And it had really undone me because the reality is I'd attended church all my life, but I would I'd have to say I was pretty inconsistent. I mean, the average guy doesn't go to church on petrol that he milked out of a police car. And the average kid who goes to church doesn't steal his lunch from the university cafeteria every day. But that's really that was my life during my first years of uni. Um, when, <laughs> when Helen and I started going out together, it meant that I would attend her church and she would attend mine. And attending her church one night, her minister just quietly asked me a question. Where are you with the Lord? And no one had ever asked me that question. And I had no clue how to answer it. And I went home disturbed that I was just had no clue. What, what, is it, what does it even mean to say, where are you? With the Lord, well, I go to church, if that's what you mean. Mm. No, I knew that's not what he meant. Mm. And as a result, I was uh, kind of a bit shaken by that. And before I left the church that day, I decided I better figure out where I stand with God. I spent four days driving a big truck in a quarry. It was during my university vacation. For four days, I was trying to figure out how to be right with God with as little adjustment to my life as possible. Mm-hmm. And four days later, four days into this journey, I came home from the quarry, showered up, and I was going to take Helen out to the drive-in. I got right near the front door, and I know this may sound kind of corny, but God spoke to me as clear as I'm speaking to you. A voice didn't speak through my ears. It spoke in my chest. And in my chest, a voice simply said, I want you to be a minister. And I burst into tears because it's the last thing in the world I want to be. I want to be a high school teacher. I thought, 19 years old and I'm dead already. <laughs> My whole life just came to an yeah, end. Yeah, this is a great testimony. <clears throat> so I drove around to see Helen and I took her out in the backyard and I said, I think God wants me to be a minister. And, and she cried because she didn't this want to marry true. a minister. 
And that's where it began. It's um, there was a lot of a there was a journey mm. from that moment. But from that moment, I was aware that there was some kind of a claim mm. on my life that I had never anticipated. And as you journey that, you obviously got married and mm. had a family. You were teachers, but then you started being mentored, and really the direction from a youth pastor, and then a full time pastor. Well, that came out of. Uh, us as high school teachers mm. caring about kids. Mm. Mm. Um, so one of the things we did was we were really concerned about the behaviour of the kids. I mean, in the high school, we saw kids um, driving, loading up their boots with beer, and they spend the whole weekend uh, just drinking and doing things that were just so destructive. And so we just felt like somebody has to do something about this. So we decided that we were in a brand new home, on a brand new estate and we just decided to open up our house to these young people every Friday night. And so every Friday night they used to come to our house and they'd hang about, drink coffee and play games and do whatever you do. And then Alan would just share with them for about 15 minutes about how much they're loved and how much God wants them to be part of his family. And so we did that for five years. Um, We did that in our brand new house and I can remember some nights... Uh, Because it was a new estate and it had been raining, there'd be mud all over our floors. And I can remember scraping the mud off the floors in our house with a shovel while Alan was driving kids home. And I remember the feeling I had that I loved this. I loved doing it. And so Mm. right from the beginning, being able to affect kids' lives was really important to us. Mm. Mm. So you're very people-orientated. You've got a love for people. Well, that sure came. That's uh, it wasn't our plan, but I, I remember having a conversation in the back of a typing class with four girls, and they they were sharing with me uh, how they'd spent the weekend. They got drunk, and this one fell in the bath, and this one had her face in a birthday cake. And I remember saying to them, "Don't you realise how valuable your life is?" And I began to share the story of a woman I'd met the week before who'd had an absolute miracle. She'd been paralysed as a nurse. And she'd been prayed for and God had healed her and out of the bed she came, paralysis healed. And one of the girls looked me in the face and she said, if those stories are true, how come no one ever tells you about them? And I came home and I said to to Helen, a girl asked me a really good question in a typing class. I shared with her about Jesus. And she said, if that's true, how come no one ever tells you about them? We have to do something. And the thing that I could think to do was to just use our house as a drop-in centre. And one of the things I'm deeply grateful for is that I had a wife who felt that that was, for her, a higher priority than having clean floors. And, um, (laughs) you know, Helen put up with a lot during those next five years because there'd be nights where kids would find a can of orange paint and they'd spray paint your light switches orange for you, which would be very helpful. Um, (laughs) That seemed like a good idea to them. Uh, I remember one night we had the house was full of people and you hear crack, 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 crunch and a whole bunch of kids sitting right along the uh, the, the lounge suite, the whole lounge suite had collapsed in the middle of showing a movie on the lounge room wall. Uh, when we left and went to Bible college, we just got a big trailer and put all of our furniture in a trailer and took it straight to the tip. <laughs> <laughs> but they were wonderful years. Yeah. We had a revival in our high yeah. school and... Um, I remember kids coming to Jesus half six a day in the back of the typing class. We baptised 35 kids in our backyard uh, in our final year. And some of the teachers, and actually some of those kids, they're not kids anymore, obviously, but they're in full-time ministry now. 
totally unchurched kids, totally. So we used to take these youngsters in a bus down to a local church to get them baptised. And one of the ways we ended up in uh, going to Bible college in full-time ministry was that this church began to notice these two teachers bringing a busload of kids to church every Sunday night and started asking the questions, uh, well, maybe they ought to be doing this full-time, not just part-time. Our guests today are Dr. Alan and Helen Meyer, and we are talking about how they started Careforce Life Keys and how they are helping heal the wounds of life in a broken world. We'll have more when we return right here on Focus on the Family, Australia. The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. Focus on the Family Australia is primarily supported by donations from listeners like you. Our aim is to strengthen your relationships, equip you as a parent, and help your family thrive. Right now, be one of just 300 people who are needed to allow Focus on the Family to keep broadcasting on your radio station and strengthening yours and other families. With you, we can keep focusing on families into the future. Support now with your financial gift at families.org.au. Welcome back to Focus on the Family Australia, where today my wife Kate and myself, Brett Ryan, are talking with Dr. Alan and Helen Meyer and how they are helping local communities find Christ through their brokenness. So the young people's behaviour obviously changed. How did you approach the principal and things like that? Did you need to go through that kind of approval were they seeing the difference and so they got excited about no, the young quite. people? No, it's a really hostile, hostile environment in many mm, ways. Very um, much. In fact, I was dragged into the principal's office one day and he was waving his finger in my face saying, we are not going to have a revival in this school. And the reason he was saying it was because we were having a revival in the school. Um, <laughs> there was, uh, the, 1975, the, you could not run a class in anywhere in the school without a debate on Jesus or life and death or atheism or creation, evolution, it would break out in maths classes, science classes, cooking classes. And the the staff, in many ways, were quite agitated because there were four of us who were really keen to share our faith and about 60 staff who were quite keen for us not to. (laughs) But um, they really... uh, they couldn't do anything about it. There were other staff in the school who were running lunchtime classes on quite weird perspectives on life, and yeah. no one was stopping them. So we just pressed on, and because it was in our own home, kids could turn up. No one could stop them coming to our home on a Friday night. Yeah, yeah. plus, I mean, a lot of times the parents brought the kids, so there was a already a, an approval there, so that mm. wasn't an issue. Mm, that's great. And as this calling developed from youth ministry, then you had the privilege of leading a church. Yeah, well, that's exactly what happened. I got to the point, I remember in one typing class one day saying, do I really want to spend the rest of my life teaching people how to type when we know there's something a lot more important to share? So anyhow, we, uh, we both of us uh, went to Bible college with, a, with three of our little children. We had three little babies at that time, and it was a real step into the unknown because uh, I resigned my career. Helen didn't have to resign hers. She could continue to do some part-time stuff uh, with uh, three little ones and with me in college. 
And we were then called to become the uh, first youth pastors of what is now Life Ministry Centre. We served there for a number of years. At the end of that, there was a Church of Christ in Mount Evelyn. Now, those many of those kids that went to the Church of Christ in Mount Evelyn were part of the high school that I taught. And in fact, the church was meeting in the same high school auditorium where I'd been a teacher for seven years. And as a result, they called us to join them in 1983. And then that started a very, very long association with the Church of Christ in Mount Evelyn. went on for the next 26 years. Wow. And that's where so much of the good stuff, the fun stuff, was developed and happened over the, over the next years. The fun stuff, the things that you did in your community, and that's where Careforce Life Keys was birthed. Mm. Well, the fun stuff was we had a performing arts company called Mudbrick Performing Arts, and we'd put on full-scale productions Easter and Christmas. We had a really talented person who was part of our leadership who was very good at script writing. We had some really excellent musicians who were really good at writing original music. And it was just a great way of involving the community. So we used to have about 5,000 people who'd come through at Christmas time to the performances that we put on. Often we put on about 10 performances before Christmas and they were really written in a way that wasn't a retelling of the Christmas story but something really original that related to issues that people were struggling with. Hmm. Around that same time, as we moved into our mud brick auditorium in Mount Evelyn, a number of, of things came together to create a really unique expression that we were then sharing with the community and as Helen says, the Mudbrick Performing Arts Company was one of them, but another was the emergence of what became known as Careforce Life Keys. How did it begin? Well, the short story is we had association with some great churches in the United States because of a series that I'd been teaching young people called Surviving Sexuality. One day, a woman who had been through one of the classes in that church came to Australia to visit her daughter who'd married... Uh, an Australian guy and she phoned us up and said look I've had a really interesting experience if you'd like I'd love to share it with your women's uh, ministry and so Helen pulled together a women's gathering and she came and shared her story and her story went something like this I grew up in a dysfunctional family and my husband grew up in a dysfunctional family so we got married and made a dysfunctional marriage all of our own (laughs) we've spent years damaging and hurting each other We damaged our children and hurt them. And then my church put on a course, and I think the name of that course was Rose of Sharon. And it was about how family of origin and wounds in life are at the back of the struggles that people have. And she said, as we began to realize where our struggles came from, we'd never understood what dysfunction was. We'd never understood what healthy relationships looked like. And as we began to understand that, God touched our marriage and our marriage just blossomed. Out of that, we related to our children differently and they blossomed. Mm. And then the wider family watched the change in our home and began to come to church and they got to know Jesus. And there was a whole experience of life change that just rolled right through our family. Now, there was a woman sitting there that day who was so moved by that story. She took a diamond ring off her finger and she handed it to Helen and said, sell this diamond ring and do whatever it takes to get this kind of thing happening in our church. So we sold that ring and Helen 
led a little search and discovery tour with two other women to investigate the best kind of things that could be done to touch a local community in areas where people were struggling with life. And she and those two women gathered together a wealth of information. We all then sat down with seven of us around a table. Some were social workers, some were nurses, some had theological backgrounds. And all together, we, we had a look at what was on the ground and a little explosion took place. We realised how possible all of this was. Mm. And we realised what it was going to take for us to be able to implement this kind of thing and around that table was birthed what then became known as Careforce Life Keys. We realised the key was going to be small group leadership. We realised we were going to have to create a training course for how to manage groups appropriately. And then we were going to have to write courses that would address the struggles that people were facing. But I want to tell you that was the most extraordinary couple of months as ideas and insights just came together around that table and out of that the idea of the arena of healing and a whole stream of insights that have now become part of what's known as Careforce Life Keys. And you discovered that the issues aren't just happening outside the four walls of the church, they're happening inside the four walls of the church. Absolutely. Um, we started with the people in our own setting, first of all, to um, encourage them first of all to do training also to experience the courses see the life transformation for themselves and there wasn't very much we needed to do because once they experienced it they began to tell their neighbors their friends their family members and say hey come and do this this is going to be really helpful for you and so it kind of got a life of its own what focused our attention most first was the issue of female survivors of sexual mm. abuse if you had asked me prior to this commencement of, of Life Keys, what, Alan, what, what do you and Helen do for female survivors of sexual abuse? Well, I would have said, well, I'm not sure that's really our expertise. You know, we're teachers and we haven't trained in this area. Then one of my staff was hearing the stories of female survivors. I think it's because for the first time we had a female staff member... Uh, they had someone they could tell their stories to. And one Sunday, her heart broke for these people. And in church one Sunday, she said to God, I'll do whatever I can to help. She joined the local Bible college, started studying. And as she was studying, began to create a counselling course. And when we launched that counselling course in our congregation, we could identify 72 female survivors sitting in our church every Sunday, for which nobody had ever done anything. They were soldiering on. They were being brave wives and mothers and single people, just doing the best they could with a secret that many of them had never shared with anybody. They never suspected there was a place you could even go. As she began to do work with them, God touched their lives and one after another had a story to tell. Then they told their friends and then their friends began to turn up at her office. And before you know it, we realised that we were touching our community in a way we'd never touched it before and never suspected it was even possible. We became a church that people began to see as a place you could go to get help and get help safely. And that requires then, of course, you now need to train your uh, volunteers how best practice works in an environment where they're beginning to deal with issues that 
others might think it shouldn't even they shouldn't even be talking about. It's a frightening statistic to think that you had 72 people in your congregation every week facing such devastating you know events in their life and had to that point not been able to discuss it. It just shows how important it is for the church to actually cover every topic. Unfortunately, we're running out of time and we're only just scratching the surface, but we want to thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for having us. Bless your heart. Our guests today are Dr. Alan and Helen Meyer. If you'd like to find out more regarding their courses and programs, go to careforcelifekeys.org. That is careforcelifekeys.org. Well, we trust you've been encouraged by what you've heard on today's Focus on the Family Australia. For more family advice or to listen again online, our website is families.org.au. And if you'd like to order a copy of today's program, you can give us a call on 1300 300 361. That's 1300 300 361. On behalf of the team here at Focus, I'm Brett Ryan, wishing you God's blessing on your family and inviting you to join us again next time for another edition of Focus on the Family Australia. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 